Behind Door 6D, A Journey Through Grief. Denial. How many times have I opened this door? I've kicked it open, opened it slowly, opened it with force, knelt on the floor and peeked around the open door. Every time, with my phone in hand, I find an empty studio apartment. Industrial carpets so old you wouldn't dare walk barefoot on, old vertical blinds on the windows overlooking the parking lot, sconces on the wall from a home interiors catalog circa 1985. The only thing in this seemingly empty apartment is a small side table sitting in the center of the room. The drawer in the side table is slightly open, but I cannot see inside from where I stand. On top of the table is a word search book, a pen, and a pack of tissues. These are not the only things in this apartment. I know this for a fact. I know if I can figure out how to break in properly, it'll all be different. So, I try again. And again. And then once more for good measure. What's the definition of insanity again? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different outcome? Yeah, that's it. Well, I refuse to believe that I am insane. In fact, I know I am not. Because, here's the thing, she's there. I know she is in that apartment. I have to find a way to see her. Two thousand nine. Eva moved into the Valley Apartments to be closest to her eldest son. The Valley Apartments was a government-subsidized development for the elderly and disabled, located right off the main highway. Eva was technically elderly, but in her soul, she was a vibrant young lady. She stood about five seven, towering over most of her peers. Her brown hair was always cut short, but never looked out of place. She felt her best in jeans with a stretch band waist and a nice blouse from Kohl's. Her uniform for most of her daily adventures. And sneakers. Sneakers provided the comfort she needed for her active life in her new community. She was the new resident, the one everyone whispered about. So Eva made it a point to connect with her neighbors. She went to the weekly dinners to meet people. She made an effort to sit at a different table each week so she could connect with all the cliques, eventually finding the one that best suited her. There was little Peg, Pinky, and Ruth, the mean girls of Valley Apartments, three friends ready for a fourth. Sitting in the gazebos out back, they would waste the days away gossiping and laughing as their hot coffees turned cold. But then there was Ginny, the woman no one liked, the outcast, the damaged, her face in a permanently scorned look. Or was it a frown? She wasn't at dinner for the camaraderie, just the food. She scoffed as people walked by. She complained about anything and everything. If the sky was blue, she was mad it wasn't raining. She was often called a miserable witch, or another word that rhymes with witch. Unfortunately for Eva, Ginny lived right above her. For the first three months, Ginny was quiet and kept to herself. Perhaps she was studying Eva's routine and how she settled into the community. 
At the beginning, Eva had no idea that Ginny was a miserable person. She seemed like an otherwise normal upstairs neighbor. Eva would hear the occasional footstep or house cleaning noises coming from the apartment above her, but never anything distracting or soul crushing. And then it started the mental torture. It started with a bouncing ball. At 2 a.m., three and a half months after moving in, the ball hit the floor upstairs and hardly ever stopped bouncing. Ginny found every way to annoy Eva, to prevent her from sleeping, from eating, from enjoying her television programs, and from wanting to see her friends and family. This torture consumed Eva. When the bouncing ball took a break, Ginny vacuumed for hours at a time all throughout the day. As Ginny walked around her apartment upstairs, the sounds of an elephant stampede filled Eva's apartment below, shaking pictures off of Eva's wall. Eva was losing her mind one day at a time. With each disturbance, she called the front office to report the issues, but each time they came to investigate, it was quiet. No noises, no ball, no vacuum. Ginny had a reputation, but she needed proof for someone to take action. Eva's aggravation grew because of Ginny's upstairs disturbances. Months later, sharp pain stopped Eva in her tracks. Was it a heart attack? Eva wondered if Ginny was finding a way to kill her. Eva's doctors told her the stress she was experiencing was affecting her heart. Something had to be done. From that moment on, Eva called the police every time there was a disturbance. Over the next few weeks, the police wrote at least five incident reports. But it was out of their jurisdiction, and they could not do anything about it. It was up to Valley Apartments to take action. Months later, as Eva slipped further and further into depression, an apartment across the street opened up for Eva to move into. Despite the hassle of packing and moving again, Eva transferred to apartment 6D a few weeks later. Apartment 6D was on the second floor, and it was her penthouse. After settling into the new apartment, Eva resumed life without the stresses from her devilish neighbor, Ginny. She joined in the weekly dinners again. She won community bingo nearly every week, and she was back to gossiping with her friends again. Ginny was ignored and on notice. Things were good. <laughs> 